Hello and welcome. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Lily. And this is Little Home Organised, a podcast dedicated to helping you declutter, get organised and reclaim time for the things you love. Oh, I didn't really need that ladder. Also, now I've got a ridiculous number of knives. Um, um, a ridiculous number of chef knives. They both picked pet rocks, which I think was really, really smart on their part. And I looked into his eyes this morning and I just started laughing and he was like, what? I was like, the hair is back. Hello and welcome. This week we'll be chatting about Less Is Now, the new documentary on Netflix from The Minimalists. If you're not sure whether minimalism is for you and how to be a minimalist, Join us as we chat further about Ryan Nicodemus and Joshua Fields Milburn. Before we jump into today's episode, we just want to do a shout out and say thank you to everyone who's taken the time to rate and review the podcast. Bonnie and I are doing our best to keep the podcast ad free. And one of the ways that you can support us is actually by leaving a rating and review and it helps us keep the pod going. So if you do enjoy the podcast and you haven't left a rating and review, we would be ever so grateful for you to do it. And if you're new and this is your first time listening to the podcast, hello and welcome. Uh, I am Bonnie and I am a professional organiser and I have been doing it now for 10 years. Um, I'm a mother of three, a wife to a shift worker and, um, you know, of course we renovated a house for five years while having babies. Your turn. So basically she's a busy woman who somehow keeps it together. Um, And I'm Lily, Bonnie's equally organised sister or almost. And uh, (laughs) we might have to agree to disagree on that one. (laughs) I too love organisation and I'm also um, a student of psychology. So I'm very interested in the um, thinking that goes on in our heads when it comes to chronic disorganisation and the struggles that we have to be motivated and to get on top of our stuff. So if you're new... Welcome. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for joining us and please share us. Oh, but today, Bonnie, we are talking about the latest on Netflix. Netflix is pumping out some quality TV at the moment. And one of the shows, of course, that we checked out was the little documentary by The Minimalists, their new minimalism show, Less is now. So Bonnie, for people who don't know who the minimalists are, can you just give a quick summary? Sure. So um, the minimalists are two blokes, um, Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus, and they have been best friends basically since I think grade five. And they did the whole... um, Chase the American dream. They chased the American dream. They both grew up poor. There was a lot of... um, you know, alcohol abuse and just dysfunctional families happening in their childhoods. And so they both thought the way to escape all of that was to, you know, get really well-paying jobs. And so they did the corporate dream. They did the, you know, flash cars, the lovely houses, all the stuff. Um, But then they just found after a few years that they weren't kind of happy. It was actually making them, you know, pretty depressed and stuff. So I think about the time that they were both 30, they were like, nah, let's not do this. Like, let's Let's make a change. And um, Joshua uh, was the first person to kind of embrace minimalism and make some big changes. And then Ryan saw those changes happen and he was like, hey, what's going on with you? Like, you seem happy. (laughs) That's weird. And um, so he ended up embracing minimalism and he went about it a really different way as the documentary kind of explains. So um, that was really cool. They both kind of went on this journey together, embracing minimalism throwing off all their stuff and then they decided, hey, this this was really cool. We really enjoy 
our new lifestyle now. Maybe there's other people who can learn from it. Um, and Joshua Fields Milburn in particular, he's a really big writer. So he actually teaches writing classes. Um, they've got a podcast. They've had that for years now. Um, and they've got quite a lot of online learnings. They've got a couple of books, you know, they're, they're really cool guys. Like I really admire the stuff that they're kind of teaching people and, um, yeah, if very mi- frank about it. If minimalism is something that you've thought about and you're interested in embracing, they've definitely got plenty of resources for you to engage with that lifestyle. Yeah, which um, I think for me in particular, I always thought that minimalism was a bit different to what it actually is. And so now- The common misconception. Yeah, it is a really common misconception. And now for the last, I don't know, four or five years, I've been going around teaching other people, this is what minimalism really is. And this is how you can embrace some of those principles in your daily life rather than- feeling like you have to kind of sell everything and, you know, downsize to a backpack, this is actually what it can look like for a family of five. So today what we're going to do is just chat about a few of the key things that you um, and I saw when we were watching the documentary, but then talk about the principles behind them and how you can incorporate them into your own life if minimalism is something that sounds good to you. I really liked with this documentary how it gave us a really good snapshot into both of their lives growing up and older, because this is not their first doco. This is actually their second. Their first one was just called Minimalism. And that was probably, I don't know, four or five years ago. And that was probably the first thing I watched that really um, got me onto the minimalists. And I was kind of really hooked from then. It was just really eye-opening. And this was a, this Less Is Now doco was just a really good peek into yeah, what their lives had been like growing up and why they chased the American dream and why they chose to stop chasing it. One of the comments that one of them made in the doco was, when did I start giving so much meaning to the stuff in my life? And I just found that to be such a powerful question because we all do it, literally all of us do it and we assign different meaning to different items. But when did we start doing that? Why do we do that and how do we break from that so that we are not controlled by our stuff? It is amazing, isn't it, how free we feel when we travel or when we go on holidays. So lightweight. We are lightweight and yet we come home and we look at this stuff and we think, oh, you know, I I might feel burdened by a lot of clutter around or I can't let go of that because of these reasons. Um And yet we know that we're not using things and that maybe their purpose is not being fulfilled and they would be better with someone else, but we still can't let go. And also this tendency to ascribe so much um, power to our stuff to make us feel good. And I think that's one of the big messages coming from um, the minimalists is that your stuff is not going to be the source of your happiness. Relationships are. And that's one of the quotes that the minimalists say at the end of their podcast, which I absolutely love. And it was taken from someone else's quote, you know, earlier in the 20th century, I believe, but they've basically, they've altered it a little bit. And it basically says, love people, use things because the opposite never works. Mm, Not the other way around. Yeah. But like how often do you find that you're sacrificing a relationship with someone or spending time with someone because you have to clean up. You know, oh, I can't come do this with you on the weekend because I'm 
cleaning up on, you know, I've got to tidy up my garage. Or you're fixated on the the lifestyle and the imagery that you have for success. And so you're putting your everything into your work to earn bigger, to get ahead, to get the next step and don't have time for people anymore and don't have time to invest in those relationships. That's one of the saddest cycles that actually comes out a lot in society. And we see this all the time because we're in people's homes helping them declutter and helping them get organised. And it is that typical, um, we work full time, we work longer hours, we work in a high stress job and we earn really good money, but we buy these toys to use on the weekends that we might get to use two or three times. And we have this great idea of, you know, spending time with our family or our friends and having experiences but we get stuck in this cycle of wanting to buy the latest gadget or wanting to buy the latest experience maker and then having to work harder to be able to keep up with the demands of wanting to own those things. Like every year we buy the latest model car or every year we go on these particular trips overseas. I think iPhones are a great example. Yeah. My husband and I are actually having a conversation on the weekend about iPhones because he's had a, a, his phone has had a cracked screen and he's continued using it for like well over a year now, potentially even two, um, because we haven't bit the bullet to buy another one yet. And it happened early on in its life. But we got to talking about iPhones and he was saying something about how iPhones he is using someone's old iPhone, but now all the apps are so updated and the um, technology is so different that you the phone doesn't actually let you put the new apps on it. So mm. it actually perpetuates the cycle and it, does. it means that you have to actually keep buying. Yep. You have to keep upgrading. You have to keep um, having the latest, which of course all of this stuff is not great for our planet, but also you have to keep spending the money to keep upgrading, to keep buying the things. You were mentioning advertising before, Bon. Can you think of an ad recently that you saw where it started feeding information into your brain and started making you think, oh, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should want that. I should consider it, you know, and then you act, you know, what's well, something that comes to mind? It's yeah. really funny you say that because like we don't watch a lot of free-to-air TV. We pretty much stick to like your streaming, streaming yeah. kind of services because, hey, you can watch it on demand when you want and there's no ads. But we were on holidays on the sunny coast recently and the TV at the apartment didn't have, it wasn't a smart TV and we didn't even take like a Chromecast or anything with us so we couldn't stream to it. So we were watching, you know, just like a Wednesday night movie or something and um, so many ads. And for some reason, even though the movie only started at, you know, 7.30 or 8.30, there were all these TVSN type ads, you know, like the, hey, buy this knife set and if you call in the oh, next three minutes. Daytime you, television. Yeah, yeah, and there was one that was like a ladder and it was like this this ladder can be changed for like 16 different types of ladders and there was actually a point where I was looking at it and I was like oh, that's actually really practical. That's very practical. I love yeah, a practical like that's, purchase. That's really cool. Like we've got a really crappy old ladder and that that could do for this this and this. And then I was like what are you what are you thinking? Like just get it together. Yeah, like you do not <laughs> want to be one of those people that rings up and goes I'd like to have the ladder please and the extra this and the extra this and the extra like it's just it's just crazy the amount of extra bonus things that they throw in if you call within the next 10 minutes or if you're in the first 150 oh, callers. Like, man, we are uh, – it's 
guys, we're not suckers. It is psychology. The people who are writing... I mean, I feel like a sucker. (laughs) (laughs) The people who are writing up these ad plans, the people who are delivering this marketing to you understand the human psyche. They understand our brains and how we operate. So when you sit down in front of daytime television, you go, oh, daytime television. Oh, look at this ad. Oh, look at this ladder. Oh, but, but this ladder does this and this and this and this. And if you buy it now and they instill that sense of urgency in you, they are hooking you around the finger. They are convincing you that you need this and it would be foolish not to buy it. And it would be like a really great addition to your household if you buy it. And if you buy it now, look at this other stuff that you'll get for free. And then you're left thinking, I would be crazy not to buy this. And then you bought it and you think, a year down the track, oh, I didn't really need that ladder. Also, now I've got a ridiculous number of knives, um, <laughs> a ridiculous number of chef knives. I've got to stop watching daytime television. But it can happen for any reason. And I think that's the point is whether it's that you're actively striving to buy things to um, live a certain lifestyle or whether it is just a product of, you know, the Western society, consumeristic society that we're living in. The point of the message is we end up with a lot of stuff and we accumulate, we accumulate, we accumulate. And one thing that we tend to not do is stop and start decluttering, start saying, how much of this do I actually need and taking it back out of our house. And before we know it, and as the, you know, on this doco that they identify as people just end up with a house full of stuff, some not knowing how it happened, but they're left thinking, wow, I don't really have much space anymore for all this stuff. I need a bigger home. And the cycle, it continues. It is a vicious cycle. And imagine if you could downsize your home by 60%, because that's what the study that UCLA did showed is that we only actually use 40% of our home. So imagine if you could not only get rid of the stuff that's taking up all that space, but you could downsize and buy a smaller house or a smaller property. Imagine if your mortgage could be reduced just down to 40%. Like the cost of living would be so much more affordable. We're going to take a quick break for a clutter confession. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how you can start to embrace the minimalist message. Clutter confessions. <laughs> hey girls, I've got a clutter confession. This one's a little embarrassing, but um, I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> so I recently turned 31 and I got my first grey hair. But it's not grey, it's kind of white. So I was really actually very excited. Um, of course I didn't want it in my head, so I, I pulled it out and I kept it. <laughs> kept it in a little box (laughs) and uh, then I got a second grey hair, white hair I should say and the same thing happened. I didn't really want it in my head but I was also kind of excited, kind of proud, kind of in shock I guess so I plucked that little one out and uh, popped it in the little box again. So that's what I've got that I've kept hold of that I probably shouldn't have (laughs) but um there it is. I mean, that that is that is awesome. Oh, that is gold. No, that is silver. That is white. Oh. I love it. I, before I was 30, started getting greys, but they were white. And, you know, the first place I noticed them was my eyebrows. I thought you were going to say no, a different region. No. <laughs> I was like, TMI, TMI, <laughs> abort mission. No, it was in my eyebrows. And I remember looking and, you know, plucking and being like, what is that? And then pulling it out and then being like, that is so weird. And then like, you know, a few months later, 
They were on my other eyebrow as well. And then before you know it, I found one in my hair, but then it prompted my memory that I remember we had a hairdresser who used to come to the house and cut our hair and I would have been like- We did? 13, yeah. I won't say her name on air. Um, I would have been like 13 or 14. Anyway, I remember her being like, you have a grey hair. At 13. Yeah, and I was like, what? And she's like, you've got a grey hair. And, of course, I'm a teenager and super sensitive about anything. So I was like, I've got a grey hair. Forgot about it This is really her own issues coming out and (laughs) shaming you as a 13-year-old. Well, I think she was just so fascinated that, you know, I clearly had so much stress and burdens in my life at 13. (laughs) And I found it because obviously it's never gone away and it was like full length. It was just like in my hair, I have this one long white grey hair that matches the rest of my hair. Wow. Yeah, but I've had it like forever. It's still there. Yeah, yeah, it just it grows out every now and then. Do you know what? I have two funny hair stories that you've just reminded me of. So my two-and-a-half-year-old, when he was first born, he had this one hair sticking out the side of his head that was way longer than any of the other hairs. Like it was, you know, thumb to pinky finger kind of long, whereas the rest were baby length. It stayed there for like a nearly a year. It just fascinated us. All. <laughs> like we looked at it so often Boing. and was like, like it just, you know, it wouldn't, we didn't want to cut it or anything like that. We just, it thought it was so kooky. But another funny hair story that I have to tell you, which is totally dumping my husband in it. Um, but he, this is also a white hair, but he gets this one random hair that grows out of the side of his nose. <laughs> right up the top near his eyes and this morning I went to look in his eyes and I could not talk to him without laughing because the hair had sprouted again and we take it out every little while you know once we see it but obviously I haven't looked into his eyes for a while and I looked into his eyes this morning and I just started laughing and he was like what I was like the hair's back And he's just like, you know what, folks, I think this is a message that we all need to look into our partner's eyes (laughs) lovingly a little bit more frequently. (laughs) It's just, it's just one of those things like we're mid thirties, but we're getting hair in weird places. Well, it can start really young. My son um, has a long white hair and has had it since he was born and his hair is flaming red. So there you go. It's so bizarre, isn't it? Well, if you've got a clutter confession, we'd love to hear it. Uh, Just head to our Facebook page and you just send it as an audio file. Um, We absolutely love them and we keep them in anonymous and we love to share them on the pod so head on over and send one in okay so let's chat about how we can embrace minimalism what it looks like and what are the small but practical steps we can take to start downsizing our life so minimalism is not just owning one bike, one T-shirt, one book and one spoon to eat out of and one bowl to eat out of. It is an intentional idea of minimising our stuff and only using and having things in our home that we need. That doesn't mean you can't have pot plants. That doesn't mean you can't have decorative pieces on the wall, but it means that each item that you have is intentional and we're not filling our house with excess. So one of the things that you could consider doing that I believe it was Josh did when he first was challenging this idea that he had so much stuff was the, can I say goodbye to one item in my house every day? And he did that for a month. Yes. And they now have the less is now or the minimalism game where you can actually pick a friend or a colleague and say, Hey, we're going to have, you know, let's do this game. We'll each do one thing every day, but we'll increase it for the number of days that we're on. So on day 10, you do 10 items all the way up to 30. And the idea being that the person who gets the furthest along the decluttering um, wins and the other person maybe takes them out for coffee or something like that. Don't buy them an item. (laughs) 
to celebrate their win. <laughs> That's not the way. Consumables and experiences Consumables only. and experiences. Or if you both get to the 30 days and you've chucked out the couple hundred items, go out together and celebrate, you know, with some sort of coffee experience or or whatever, just to say, hey, well done, we got through this tough time. But interestingly enough, Ryan Nicodemus, the other minimalist, he did a totally different thing. He did. He did a packing party. He took um, more of an intensive approach. And this is probably how you and I are different, Bonnie. <laughs> you keep We're calling, different? Yeah. <laughs> you keep calling me um, the activator now that I um, mentioned that to you. Mm. Um, so basically he looked at all of his stuff and said, okay, I'm going to pack all my stuff into boxes. So intense process, but he brought his mate Josh over and they did it together. He packed everything into boxes, labelled it very, very clearly, kept the boxes open. Every time he needed something, he went to the box and pulled it out. And he did that for a period of time until he had set his limit. And then he looked at all these boxes with stuff that he'd not touched and looked at all the stuff that he actually used and needed in his house. And that allowed him to say, wow, I can get rid of all of that stuff in boxes. And the uh, helpful thing was it was in boxes ready to go. Yeah. Although I have to admit there is some stuff that you would pack up that would be completely sentimental that, yeah, of course you don't use it, but it is sentimental. And that's where people can become really unstuck with things like minimalism because they look at that and they go, oh, yeah, but I don't want to get rid of those things that are sentimental to me. Well, no one's saying that you have to. What's good to do with stuff like that is to have a boundary. So for us, for example, we have one box each and that's our memorabilia. And once the box is full, we've got to get rid of some stuff. So whatever works for you, I think it's the concept that's important. It's a visual aid that helps you see how much of the stuff that's visually in your house do you actually use versus what you think you actually use. On a previous episode, Bon, we talked about helping seniors downsize. And one strategy that you can use is you can have them go through all the cupboards and wardrobes in their house and pick out the things that they want to take and everything that's left behind, you know, a family friend or member can come in and they can help box it up and donate it or throw it out or whatever is appropriate for that item. So that's potentially, if you're in a living situation where you could do something like that in your room, you know, that's another option for you to consider as well. Yeah. And you know, the packing party strategy actually kind of gave birth to a a strategy we now use at Little Miss Organised um, because I had read about the packing party, you know, five or eight years ago or something. And we call it a fake move. So we actually pack up, you know, whether it's a whole house or a room at a time and then move it out and then kind of pretend that we've just moved back in. And we go and we unpack the furniture. We make sure all the furniture's set up and we go, okay, this is the ideal amount of furniture in here. We don't want any extra, you know, there's some pieces that were in here before but are not coming back in. They're getting, um, you know, donated or sold or whatever. And then we um, start unpacking the boxes and it's like we're decluttering as we're unpacking and we're putting things back in. And so if you're someone who, you know, you're not actually moving but you would like to declutter and you're feeling a little bit stuck and you can't just go through Um, you know, a box at a time, do the fake move strategy, pack it all up, experience what it's like to have that empty space and go around and start dreaming. Okay. What does it ideally look like? What do I want this space to look like? How do I want it to function? And then start unpacking things and do your decluttering that way. Like we have, we've had lots of people who've used the fake move strategy and have just said, it's changed my life. Yeah. It honestly, it honestly does. I think that's why we're so passionate about doing the podcast and talking about the stuff that we do. And I think that's, you can really tell that Ryan and Josh from The Minimalists are so passionate because they lived 
a completely different lifestyle to what they're living now. And they are happier than they have ever been having so much less stuff. And one of the things I remember them saying on the documentary on Netflix was by doing minimalism, you're making room for life's most important things. Mm. And those things aren't things. Yes. I love that. I think that's, that's so true. And on that note, a lot of people might look at Josh and Ryan from the minimalists and think, well, you're two single guys. Like, what do I do if I've got a family? You know, how do I be a minimalist with the family? Well, you know, they've both got partners. Um, Josh has, I think she's a seven or eight year old daughter now, but there are other people like Joshua Becker from Becoming Minimalist, who he's got two kids and they're in, you know, they're teenagers and and he shows what it's like to be a minimalist family with kids. And minimalism is something that we practice in our house as well. My husband probably struggles with it a bit more than I do, but I just love it. It means it's so much easier when it comes time to move the kids up to the next size in the clothes or to pack the toys away. Like it's it's something we'll constantly struggle with, the, the tide of clutter and the tide of stuff because we've got a lot of people in our lives who love us and want to bless us with things but slowly we're trying to transition people into buying more experience-based gifts and consumable gifts and things that will leave lasting memories. Yeah, make those memories with them. Yeah, because memories are far more important. What I loved after you and I watched the, this documentary, Bonnie, was um, you were feeling so inspired, which is such a classic reaction to any documentary that anyone watches. You come out feeling either really motivated or really depressed about the state of the world. <laughs> and um, you turn around and you're like, right, kids, okay. Because they ended up, I think they'd finished their rest time and they'd slowly petered their way in at the end of the documentary and they sat down and watched with us. And you're like, all right, everyone head up to your bedroom and pick one toy that we are going to say goodbye to. And I love that because I'm so used used to it now. And other people might be sitting there and being like, well, this, you know, what's with this woman? And I'm like, oh, standard behavior from Bonnie. <laughs> and, um, you, t- you two kids, they ran upstairs and they went through their stuff and they were like really excited. They're like, oh, what are we going to pick? What are we going to pick? They both picked pet rocks, which I think was really, <laughs> really smart on their part. Oh. No big giant, you know, um, toys came out, but the pet rocks, they were like, oh, I think it's time to say goodbye to these. And, and what of course did I do with the pet rocks? I put them in the garden. Oh dear. <laughs> so, but it, it was a really important um, thing that you did. And this is something that we can encourage anyone to do as well is to teach your kids how to say goodbye to things. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, like when we did um, children's artwork, helping children be a part of the decision-making process helps them build skills and habits around stuff so that as they get older and as they start to earn income and they can make choices about buying things, helping them know that things come in, but things also need to go out as well. And that value is not completely based on stuff. Our value comes from our relationships and our connections with other people and other things that are important as well. So let's talk about this week's tidy task. Uh, If you've got Netflix, your tidy task is to watch the Less Is Now documentary or the minimalism one. If you haven't actually seen that, that's a really good one to watch as well. Um, Otherwise, if you're not on Netflix, I would highly suggest that you actually look up the minimalist podcast, find an episode that really resonates with you and just have a listen to it because you never know. It could be the catalyst that you need in your life to finally click over and be able to let go of all that stuff that's kind of holding you down. And if you are ready to make a change in your home, but you're not quite sure how to do it, we have resources available just for you. So head to the website, littlehomeorganized.com.au. If you hit forward slash 
organizing cheat sheet, you'll be able to check out a free resource that you can download and that it just lays out the steps to go through a room from start to finish. But if you're needing something a bit more, you're wanting more guidance, you want recommendations on what products to use in specific rooms and tips straight from the professional organizing industry, we also have something just for you guys as well. That's called the Essentials Guide. So also head to the Little Home Organized website, uh, littlehomeorganized.com.au. Check out the Essentials Guide, which was designed by the team at Little Miss Organized for the time poor parent. Um, And it can help you organize any and every space in your home. The thing that's so great about this course is it's online. You can do it whenever you've got time available. You can work your way through room after room and you get specific tips. So if you're really struggling to envisage how you can make that chaotic toy room work for you, then you go to the toy room section and it'll show you the specific products that we recommend that'll help you organize that space. And same thing for be it the pantry or the bedroom. And if life gets in the way, as it tends to do, you've got lifetime access to that course. So you can always come back to it. And if you aren't already following us on socials, we'd love to see you there. Okay, so that's it for this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. We certainly love talking all things minimalism. So thank you for lending us your ears this week. And remember, progress, not perfection. See you later. Bye. Hey, we'd love to keep the conversation going. Head over to the Little Home Organised community group on Facebook, ask questions, find motivation and share your before and afters. And if you enjoyed the show, please help us keep it going by hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's free and ensures you do not miss an episode. But if you really want to share the love, leave us a rating and review. Trust me, it makes all the difference in the world.